0: Coming up, in this episode... The wave of terrorism sweeping Europe. Robin Simcox, a top counterterrorism scholar, says the U.S. needs to watch carefully what's happening.
1: I think it's a, a cautionary tale for the U.S. in terms of this is what happens if you don't get your integration policies right.
0: And speaking of getting it right, there are concerns that in our haste to report on attacks are we, the media, making the problem worse.
2: I think we have a challenge in the media when we're assessing these attacks because we don't have the capability to step back for a day or two and ask one simple question.
0: Philip Mudd, the former head of the FBI's National Security Division and a former executive at the CIA, asks and answers that question on this program. It's a critical situation because ISIL is counting on us in the media to help them do their dirty work. Target USA is brought to you by TrueCar. Pricing information is great and necessary, but there's more to car buying than just price. There's the actual buying experience. And to enjoy a better one, you have to go to a True Car certified dealer. They're there to help you find the car you want, and they are what make True Car unique. With TrueCar, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing, so you can lock in guaranteed savings off MSRP and enjoy a better buying experience. TrueCar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with TrueCar certified dealers. Over 2 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network, saving TrueCar users an average of $3,279 off MSRP. There are over 11,000 TrueCar certified dealers nationwide, and you will work directly with a TrueCar certified dealer contact. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app to enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. A very graphic situation. San Bernardino. Upwards of 14 people that are dead. We are now investigating these horrific acts as an act of terrorism. Paris. An attack on... All of humanity. The Islamic State. I'm back, Obama. They want back. you to imagine them in the shadows as something greater than they are. Hostile nation states. They can't inflict mortal damage to the United States. Cyber criminals.
2: Decryption successful.
0: This is Target USA. America in the crosshairs. Whether it's anarchist, cyber criminals, nation states, or terrorist, America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. Wednesday, July 27th, 2016, Daesh, or ISIL as they're known stateside, has conducted close to 30 terror attacks this year. Almost 2,000 people have been killed, more than 800 wounded in the first seven months of the year. Just within the last two weeks, there have been at least five attacks in Europe with the I.S. fingerprints on them. The pace of the attacks is quickening, and numerous intelligence authorities think it has in large part to do with the fact that ISIL realizes that its so-called caliphate is about to be crushed by the U.S.-led international military coalition. So the leadership is pulling out all the stops to launch as many attacks as quickly as possible anywhere it can. In fact, The so-called spokesman for the group put out a call several months ago to anyone that would listen, saying, quote, The smallest action you do in their heartland is better and more enduring to us than what you would do if you were with us. If one of you hoped to reach the Islamic State, we wish we were in your place to punish the crusader day and night. This is from Abu Muhammad al-Adnani. It appears as though, a growing number of people have heard that call and are responding. We spoke about that with Robin Simcox. He's the Margaret Thatcher Fellow of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation in Washington.
1: The pace, the scale, the frequency of terrorism attacks in Europe now is something uh, that's very, very concerning. Uh, this is something that... Uh, policymakers have been dealing with and security services have been trying to deal with for obviously some time now but it seems the problem is is getting worse rather than getting better ISIS is inspiring uh, people to act with frequency now and France and Germany have been the countries that have obviously suffered from this most recently and I think what we're seeing is the limit uh, that the state has to deal with this threat, it's a it's a It's impossible for the security services to stop everything. And and at the moment, we're seeing the ISIS and those that inspire them are getting through time and time again.
0: There have been some suggestions that some of these people that are getting through are already there and actually came through during this big wave of migrants or uh, refugees earlier in the year. Um, What's your view on that?
1: Well, the threat that Europe faces is certainly multi-pronged now. Uh, For sure, there's the homegrown threat, people born and raised in Europe and radicalized there as well. And that's something that we've been dealing with in Europe for, for some time. But also, it seems reasonably clear that obviously there's a been a huge uh, flow of people into Europe in recent years via the, the refugee crisis as a result of the, the chaos in Syria and Af- Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, the state and this impact, impacts of many states across Europe clearly didn't know who everybody coming into the country was, that much is clear. And it's also clear that these routes have been exploited by ISIS to smuggle operatives into the country. And we saw that with the Paris attacks in November 2015. On top of that, you have ISIS operating in some of these refugee camps in Europe, trying to uh, radicalise people, trying to bring people to their cause. And so, really, you have a, a threat in Europe that operates on multiple levels, and it's extremely hard at the moment to produce a coherent response. Uh, If you're Germany or France or Belgium or any of these countries impacted, they're going to keep your citizens safe.
0: We hear a lot about inspired attacks or directed attacks, and it's not entirely clear to everyone what that means. Uh, An inspired attack, according to the intelligence and security officials uh, that we talk to, is one that comes about as a result of some person or person's uh, finding some inspiration from materials or from acts uh, or from statements that some terror group like the Islamic State have made or done, uh, and then going out and acting on their own. A directed attack is one that's planned, one that's guided, and one that in many ways is financed by that organization. So in your, in your, in your view, um, which one is more dangerous right now?
1: Well, the uh, the the foreign fighter problem is one that's been um, obviously taking up a lot of attention, um, a lot of concern from Europe, the US, from from this problem. Um, so far, that what you've seen is there is the foreign fighters that have returned and carried out attacks have all been uh, tied to ISIS. They've been uh, dispatched specifically by ISIS to carry out. Um, these attacks, so they've had contact with the the ISIS uh, leadership and and their networks in Europe. What we've not seen so far is the kind of the independent foreign fighter attorneys carrying out attacks. It's all been very much aligned with ISIS. So ISIS ability to ISIS's ability to carry out attacks in the future is going to be very much dependent upon can they smuggle uh, further people into Europe or do, do those networks already exist i think at the moment from their point of view they're getting so many of these attacks uh for example like like that in nice or, or that in germany yesterday from those who appear to just be inspired by the group as opposed to actually dispatched by ISIS themselves although well, obviously you know details are still becoming clear about the latest attack but it appears as if it was inspired by the group rather than directed by them I think from their point of view they can be strategically patient and wait to uh, activate the networks at a at a better time because to be frank at the moment they are managing to inspire a lot of people uh, without having to use their own operatives in in these kind of attacks so the again, we just get back to the, the multi-pronged uh, nature of the threat Europe's facing today.
0: One of the things, Robin, they clearly appear to have been able to do is to weaponize thugs, ordinary petty criminals, people who are just on the fringes and the margins of society who may have had a bad break in life or who may honestly be angry and upset about uh, their prospects for the future. And they've been able to take those people and turn them into weapons.
1: Well, it's certainly the case that ISIS has been able to bring people into their into their milieu that um, that, for example, the, the criminal network uh, that end up carrying out attacks for ISIS. I, I mean, the, the data points on that it re- it turns up again and again. They've had great success in in recruiting people like that to act on their behalf. Um, I, I think that's, you know, that this was something that's not completely um, unknown before ISIS. You've often had uh, Islamist groups, the kind of the religious fervor which they present as an alternative to the, the kind of the, the, the criminals or loners or those upset with their, their, how their life is going. You know, radical Islam can present a path out of all that. But ISIS have certainly been able to, to weaponize that in a way. Um, that other Islamist groups haven't been able to in the past. And obviously you have a lot of issues going in there. You have the criminal networks, you have the uh, those with mental illness, as you say. Um, but ultimately, I think you have to also uh, take these things on, on face value to an extent. If someone uh, is immersing themselves with ISIS literature, or ISIS propaganda, says he is carrying out the attack on behalf of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and dedicates it to ISIS, then I think you just sort of have to accept at face value to an extent, really, that these are people that genuinely are taken with a kind of ISIS ideologically infused religious fervor and are carrying out attacks for precisely that purpose.
0: How and why? Two questions. Is one of those questions more important than others when it comes to looking at terror attacks, the origin, etc.?
1: Well, the how it happened is obviously a vital part of the picture because understanding that may help us prevent such attacks in the future. But I think we are generally coming to the, I mean, you consider something like the Nice um, terrorist attack. Sure, there are lessons to be learned as there are lessons to be learned from every from every terrorist attack that, that takes place. But, you know, if somebody is going to hire a truck, uh, start ramming people in the middle of the street with it, start running people over. I think you also have to accept there's only there's only so much you can learn in terms of trying to prevent that for the future. Because it's such a crude form of attack using, you know, it's not as if you're going to be able to ban 20-ton trucks. You know, So I think we, we then have to get to the why and the why is probably the most contested part of this question. Why are ISIS carrying out these attacks? Why is the ideology of Islamism on the rise? Why have we not been able to do a better job in, uh, in Europe especially in terms of integrating uh, Muslim communities and, and, and rooting out this problem at source? I think that the problem is there's a great deal of the confusion and, and, and still a lot of people who disagree on that. And that makes providing a coherent response very tricky.
0: What can the U.S. learn from what it's seeing in Europe? What's the takeaway?
1: Well, the U.S. is in a better position than uh, Europe in some ways because obviously its geographical location means it's protected from some of the, uh, you know, the, the way that ISIS is able to move between countries in Europe uh the US isn't isn't afflicted by this in the same way but I think it's a a cautionary tale for the US in terms of this is what happens if you don't get your integration policies right and the US has has done this much better than than Europe in the past but as we see from all the ISIS inspired attacks that have taken place in the US of course it's not immune and and we must hope that 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 the the threat in the the United States, as problematic as it is, doesn't grow to the extent that it can be comparable to that in Europe.
0: One of the most troubling issues circulating around terrorism is, after an attack, the scramble to figure out who did it. We spoke to several former CIA operatives who were very familiar with the so-called blame-and-claim game, through which terrorists feed off the media attention. You can read the full article at WTOP.com, Search National Security. That's whiskey WhiskeyTangoOscarPapa.com, Search National Security. One of those experts that you see frequently on CNN is Philip Mudd, former CIA executive and former head of the FBI's National Security Division.
2: I think when you're looking at the problem of the media, there are two ways to look at this. Number one, ISIS is in decline, And some of the media coverage, in my judgment, accelerates that decline because it's circulating across the Islamic world images that show that ISIS is murdering innocents. If you look at the Nice attack, for example, the number of children killed is just appalling. On the other hand, I I do believe there's a problem here, but it's not a problem related to ISIS. It's a problem related to people who want to express themselves through violence who claim that they're ISIS, and then who kill 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, in this case 80 or more people, alleging that they're ISIS members, but in fact they've got some other grievance, grievance about a family, grievance about an employer. I'm starting to feel that people who are not terrorists are claiming to be terrorists just to look for the validation to conduct a major attack, even if they don't have an ISIS connection.
0: Do you get the sense that the media is rushing too quickly to try to figure out who did it?
2: I do believe we're accelerating, especially just within the past year or two, to the question of who is responsible for these attacks, thinking that we live in the old world where you might have sponsorship by an organization like Al Qaeda that is clearly linked to the attacker. What I'm seeing, if you look at Orlando and Nice as two examples, is we're blowing through the question of what the mental state of the individual was when he conducted the the attack. To conduct an attack of terrorism, you've got to have a political intent that involves the murder of innocence for a political purpose. When you're dealing with people who are emotionally disturbed, I think there's a simple question that we have to ask ourselves. Is this person emotionally, uh, mentally capable of making a choice to commit an act of terror? We do this all the time in murder cases. We say, is the person capable of thinking about an act of murder? If not, they go into a separate category that's, that's called deranged. We should do the same thing in terror cases, and we're skipping that step when we try to determine whether an attack is terrorism.
0: So how should the media and the analysts like yourself who appear on television and radio and in the media, uh, how should we all approach figuring this out?
2: I think we have a challenge in the media when we're assessing these attacks Because we don't have the capability to step back for a day or two and ask one simple question. What was this person trying to do when they executed the attack? We assume that because it's a target like French Bastille Day and because of the number of victims, therefore it's terrorism. I think we have to ask a simpler question at the outset of any analysis of an attack. Do we understand what's going on through this individual's mind when he conducted that attack? To do that, we have to look at things like who he was talking to, who his friends are, what his state of play is with his family, his wife, his ex-wife, his employer. This is difficult to do in the modern media environment, but I don't understand as a counterterrorism expert how you determine that something is an act of terrorism without understanding what the person was thinking when they murdered people. We've got to slow down a little bit when we assess these
0: operations. So it looks like terror groups, ISIL and al-Qaeda and others included have become way more than they could ever have imagined they would be.
2: We've been seeing since the transition from al-Qaeda to ISIS an increasing number of people who allege affiliation with the group. They don't receive any training. They're not affiliated with any group attacking with knives, with axes. What I see happening is that people are finding ISIS as a validation for whatever they want to do. If I'm angry at the French, if I'm angry at police officers, if I'm angry at the, at the uh, Canadian Parliament, if I'm angry with a police officer in New York City, ISIS has become an umbrella for grievances as opposed to strictly a terror group. And I think we're, what we're starting to find is that people, including people who are emotionally disturbed when they have a grievance, might be against a family member. It might be because they don't feel like they've been treated well in French society, suddenly says... ISIS tells me to attack. That's my validation for going and knifing people or using a hatchet against them. And we've seen that now increasingly just in the past couple of years.
0: And as the cycle of attacks churns faster and faster, the circle of victims broadens wider and wider. And coming up in our next program.
2: Harassment, persecution, physical attacks, sexual violence, enslavement. Even in Western Europe, we are witnessing a steady increase in anti-Muslim acts and rhetoric, and anti-Semitic discourse and acts of desecration and violence against Jewish individuals, synagogues and institutions, and communities that we thought we would never,
0: never see again after World War II. The wave of intolerance, persecution, and violence triggered by ISIL sweeping across Europe headed straight for the U.S. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.